Woo, thank you, worship team. Thanks for thrusting us into the presence of God like that. I, man, it's great. You know, I woke up this morning a little confused, you know. You know, it just kind of, this is just kind of a hard day for me. And um, it's, it's not, I'm not used to this. I feel displaced out of, you know, not having New England in the Super Bowl. It's just kind of an odd feeling. And I, you know, I'm trying to work through it. It's, but I, I, I'm still going to eat the chili and I'm still going to eat the dip and I'm still going to watch the game and cheer. But, you know, how many of you are going to, are, are rooting just for Tom Brady? Let me see your hands. Anybody? All the ladies in the room? Oh, okay, all right. How many of you are rooting for the Chiefs to win this game? Okay, okay. Any, any Buccaneer fans? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, hey, I tell you what, she had enough spirit for the whole team. I mean, that, that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I hope you're going to have some fun with it. Uh, we always do. You know, we've been talking about stimulus and and it is great because apparently Nancy Pelosi and some of the others listened to my sermon last Sunday about the stimulus, and they went ahead and voted it through. So I just wanted you to remember when you get your stimulus check, this is why you're getting it. It's because Crosstown's doing a series on it. But in the middle of adversity, it, there are times when we do need stimulus. We need, whether it's economically or personally, we just need something to kind of help jumpstart the car a little bit. And, and I really do think it is a biblical idea that God wants to infuse all of us with his spirit, with his word, with his promises, so that our lives can kind of get, get back to getting started again, so that we don't have to wait for something to change to live victoriously. You know, and that's what I think too many of us are, are kind of in neutral. We're, we're kind of waiting. You know, do you have one of those cars that shuts the engine off at a stoplight? I mean, that's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, okay? It just doesn't make sense. You know, just from an engineering standpoint, yeah, okay, first of all, the engine's off, and then we're going to turn it back on, and all the work that it takes electronically and mechanically to get an engine to reignite itself, and, and then... You know, the sense of unreadiness at the stoplight. If you're like me, I'm not just watching my stoplight. I'm watching their stoplight. I'm watching it go from green to yellow to red. I've got pressure on the gas, a little bit on the brake. I'm ready to go. But the idea that, oh, wait a minute. Uh, when the light turns green, I'll turn my engine back on, and then I'll go, just seems counterintuitive to me. But I think that's happened to a lot of us as, as individuals spiritually and, and emotionally is that we're kind of waiting for the light to turn green before we turn the engine back on, before we're ready to go. But God wants us to be ready to go now. He wants our engine revving and for us to live with a sense of life about us. And we talked about how we're like clouds in the sky and that we're part of the, the stimulus package that God drops on other people. It's that being ready, being full of hope and life and joy that uh, we drop on the world around us. Instead of waiting for God, and, and I don't want to sound like, well, you know, God's not doing something, and then we, so we need to do it. It's like, no, I think we are the way that God does something. 
I, I think God uses people. I, I think God infuses people. He, he, he increases the amount of carbonation in their bubbly, if you remember from last week. I think when we get infused with the power of God in our lives and his truth and his joy, then we can start dropping stuff on the world that would enable the world to begin to be stimulated to grow. I love what he said to Abraham. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And that's what I want. I, yes, I love blessings as much as the next individual in my life. But God wants us to know, I, I want to bless you. But I also want to bless you so that you can bless other people. So uh, in addition to giving people forgiveness that we learned from Stacy and Hope that we learned about last week, one of the other things that I was thinking about that we can help other people with is rediscover their purpose in life. It really is an important thing to help people rediscover their purpose in life. So one of the things that you're going to see in the game today, uh, you're going to see the best of the best. I mean, you're going to see the best receivers, the best running backs. You're just going to see some of the best football that you'll possibly be ever ever to see. I love it because the potential of it being a high-scoring game is, is right there. And what we're going to see is football players flying around at top speed, smashing into each other. And sometimes those collisions will cause a player to be concussed or suffer a concussion. And we see it a lot of times. You'll, you'll see that their, their brain gets rattled and they get concussed. And it, and it really means, the word means to be shaken. And, and when something hits the head and we get concussed, it, it's really interesting. It's not that the object hits our brain, it's so much, it's more like the brain hits the skull in, as a response to the impact. So it's not like something penetrates the skull and then hits our brain and we're concussed, but it's the movement of the brain inside the skull that produces this concussed state. And some of the symptoms of it are, are this, short-term memory loss, people who are, have concussions have that, Ringing in their ears, that's where we talk about somebody got their bell rung because you just hear this ringing in your ears. It has something to do with the nerves in the ear. Um, confusion occurs. That's why they're always asking, what day is it? And, and if you ever get a concussion, always answer Thursday. That's the correct answer. Then there's a distortion of vision that takes place, like seeing stars or in the old cartoons, there would always be these little birds flying around the head showing that the person was concussed. There is eye response to light changes, how it responds and di the pupils dilating and all that is affected. There's also changes in mood. Apparently, in a concussion, some of the neurons of the brain misfire so that you can have something happening in the brain that really isn't triggered by the, by the moment, but rather it's being triggered by the concussion. There are fainting spells. There are headaches. Sometimes you'll even have nausea and vomiting taking place from a concussion. There's depression, and then there's trouble sleeping, and, and, there's, and there's so many other things. But that's what happens when somebody's brain is concussed. You know, I'm finding that as we walk through our current climate in our culture, our country, in our personal lives, that many of us have been concussed emotionally and spiritually. I really do. I, th I, think, I think we have events that happen in our life 
whether on the national scene or in a personal scene, that just kind of rattle our brains so much that it affects us emotionally, but even more so that it can uh, affect us spiritually. See, repeated blows of disappointment and fear and conflict have produced concussion-like effects. Just think about your own life. Here's a, let me read that list again now, but let's now read that list in context of our relationship with God and our, our spirit. Loss of focus. Confusion about what we believe. Change in vision for our lives. Not exactly sure where I'm going with my life. Where's this marriage going? Where, where am I going with my kids? Depression. Loss of self-control. Anger. Forgetting what God has created us for. Fainting under fear. Or just plain sick of life. See, this is what happens to Israel in the Old Testament. And it happens to them over and over again. They, get, they have these repeated concussions that occur. At one moment, they're begging God to deliver them from, from Egypt. They just, for 400 years, they're asking God, deliver us from Egypt. And, and so they... He, he delivers them from Egypt, and when they get out into the difficulties and they have some challenges occur, they get concussed. They get shaken. Their brains get rattled by an event, a challenge, a war, uh, a need, something that happens. And then what happens is that they get shaken so much that they forget where they're going, and they ask God to bring them back to Egypt. It's like, wait a minute, what happened? It's like this whole space of time that you've been begging God to take you out of Egypt, you're now wanting to go back there. It's because it's, it's like a spiritual amnesia that comes upon their lives. They forgot the vision for their lives. They just want to go back to what they remembered, even though what they remembered was something that they prayed to get out of. They forgot God's vision for them. They faint under the adversaries. They get agitated with God. And as a result, that generation fails to enter in the promised land that God had offered them. And I think this happened to us. You know, I think we're right in that place right now. I think that most black Americans were concussed by the death of George Floyd. I really do. I was talking to my friend Faith this week, and we were talking about white-black relations. And, and she said, you know, Paul, up until the George Floyd incident, she said, I, you know, I really thought, you know, we're going to be okay as a country. But she said in that moment, she said, as, as a uh, black person in America, she said, I really began to fear for my life. And, I, and I, um, the concussive effect was taking hold of her, as it should have taken hold of most white Americans. I think most moms and dads, and some of you can identify with this, were concussed by the sudden shutting down of schools. You know, all of a sudden, dad is homeschooling, you know? 
all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to figure out childcare and education has been affected in the United States. And in about 10 years from now, we'll find out what that effect is going to be on our country. I think most of us were concussed by the riots. I think we understood the need for protest. I think we all knew that some change radically needed to happen in the United States. But I, I think most of us were concussed on how far it went. I think hospital and medical professionals are concussed by the onslaught of COVID-19. Talking to a young man who works at St. Francis, he was telling me, he said, Paul, you know, all I can do is take a, do a FaceTime video as somebody's loved one is dying in a room by themselves and I'm FaceTiming their family because the family's not allowed in this. And I asked him, is that taking its toll on you? And he said, absolutely. He said, we just seem to be around it. And, and so medical professionals are, are being concussed. I think all Americans were concussed when the insurrection struck the Capitol building. I think we were all kind of blown away and it just kind of made us all um, faint or black out or dizzy or wonder where the heck um, we're going as a country. I think we've been concussed by economic impacts. And then that's not even to add to it your own personal life. I mean, we all got our back pains and, and our um, uh, medical exams and, and physical challenges, our emotional challenges. We've got personal compromises that concuss us. Failures can concuss us. Addictions relationship challenges, that it, it can be all these other, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a riot that concusses us. It can be little blows that will concuss us. Back to our analogy of the brain, a 2013 study of soccer players who head the ball the most, because I know a lot of parents have chosen soccer for their kids instead of football because football seems to be so aggressive, but the players that head the ball the most uh, will suffer similar effects of those who have had repeated concussions, even though they have had multiple sub-concussive blows, that those little blows of heading the ball, heading the ball, heading the ball, add up over time. And in the middle of this, I think, I think we have forgotten who we are in Christ. You know, I, I, I think a lot of us have really, we've forgotten what church is, um, we've forgotten, you know, what Jesus has done for us. We forgot, you know, the resurrection. We've forgotten the second coming. We've forgotten um, who I am as an individual in God. And um, because, I mean, just think about where we are, the things that we have forgotten, even as a culture. In the middle of all this concussive, now I'm being asked the question, is it okay to be white? Or are we supposed to be ashamed of being white? Is it, does it, does my life matter as a black person? We're asking that question. What makes me a man? What makes me a woman? What makes me male? What makes me female? Then the big question, is God in control? And I think if we're all honest, these questions about, you know, um, do black lives matter and um, do 
do uh, are, are white people good people? And, and what's going to happen to our country? And I think all these things have shook us. All these things have rattled our brain so much that the worst thing has happened is, is, is not riots. It's the loss of our hope, a loss of our purpose, a, a, a loss of our understanding that, that God has created all of us in his image. Is God in control? I know we may stoically answer yes, but do we really believe it? We have forgotten the calling he has for us. Just think, just think right now, in your own personal life, what's God's calling for your life? You know, even I, have, as a pastor, I mean, I, this is my job, but it's, it's my life calling. Um, even I, in the middle of the last year and a half, are like, what the heck am I doing? What is, this is a waste of time. You know, I'm just like, nobody's listening, and nobody cares, and, and, you know, you're not having any effect, Paul, and, you know, what are we doing here? You know, it's, a, it's difficult to pay the bills. It's difficult to do things. The church could flood. It's all, and, and all that shaking just gets into your head, and you forget who you are, and it happens to every single one of us. We have lost sight of God's purpose for our lives. So as we've learned we can help people rediscover hope and forgiveness, I think God wants us to help people rediscover who we are in Christ. I think that's the big thing. I think that's what God's asking me to do. Now, he's first going to have to work on me. He's going to have to help reinvigorate inside of me how I see myself before him. It's exactly what Jesus does with Peter. He has to help Peter because Peter suffers a serious concussion spiritually and emotionally. On Jesus' last days, Peter, who said that he would never deny Jesus or betray him, denies Jesus three times and runs off in shame. All the disciples pretty much just run to save their lives. But what does Jesus do? Jesus runs, or Jesus tracks down Peter and he tracks down the disciples to try to remind them of their purpose and their calling in God because they've lost it. And right now, America and your family and your marriage and your soul need to know who you are in Christ more than ever in your lifetime. You need to know. I, I, Okay, I, I'm just going to lay it out there. Uh, I don't think I'm a Republican anymore. I mean, I, I, I've been one all my life, and it's just what you did. You know, as, as, as an Italian in the Northeast, you were born Catholic, that's what you did, and you were born Republican, that's what you did. Well, I ain't Catholic no more. And, I, you know, I'm looking at the mess that's going on on the political landscape, I can't get my identity there. I can't get my identity at the gym because my back won't let me lift more than 20 pounds. I can't get my identity from, for being famous because most people don't want to listen to 61-year-old white guys anymore. You know, it's like, where am I going to get my identity, my reason to wake up in the morning, the reason to pull back the curtains on the windows and sing and live with the joy just like the birds coming to the bird feeder. You know, where do you get that from when it seems to all have, you know, we're the greatest country in the world, that's it. Uh, 
hold on. It all seems to, and, and so it, it's, Jesus sees this happen to Peter. And maybe you're there today. You're so discouraged by what you've seen going on, the rhetoric, the repeated mistakes, culturally and personally, that you've just lost the sense of purpose. So Jesus shows us what to do. Go get them. Why? Because they've been concussed. The moment has become too big for the disciples. There was betrayal. Jesus is arrested. They did nothing. People are being rounded up. The ministry appears to be over. As a result, the disciples lose the vision. They stagger in disbelief. They're fainting in fear, just like a person with a head injury. But Jesus doesn't leave them there. Days later, he sees them on the shore, and they're fishing in their boat. They're all piled into a boat, and they're, and they're doing what they do. See, they, have, they went back to their old, old business. This concussion has kind of removed three years of vision casting. And now they've gone back to net casting because all this seems to be gone. Where God had taken them in those three years walking through the ministry of Jesus, listening, seeing the miracles, this event, the death of Christ, the conflict, the shame, the, the sense of um, failure, they, they have forgotten. They forgot who Jesus called them to be. They have forgotten that they are sons of the king. So they go backwards. They return to fishing. Because of being concussed, they lose the awareness of the ground that Jesus gave them. And I can tell you with absolute certainty from the Holy Spirit today that most of us here today are sitting in the exact same place. We have forgotten the ground that Jesus has given us. We have forgotten the calling. Some of us have polarized into being white first or black first or Democrat first or Republican first or straight first or gay first or whatever. And, and Jesus goes after the disciples and says, no, you're not fishermen first. You're my kids first. That's where it all starts. You're my children. And I have a vision and I have a purpose for your life. And God has that for everyone sitting here today. So Jesus does something to remind them. John 21, 3 says, that night the disciples caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, don't miss this, because it rattled my brain. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, I looked at this Greek word because I wanted to make sure that it was translated right. You know, children? I don't know if you've been around fishermen in a boat before, especially most of the guys stripped down and throwing stuff out and, you know, all the gnarly noises that fishermen can make and coarse jokes that we can crack and all this other stuff. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, this man from the shore doesn't yell, hey, you guys, hey, yo. No, he yells, children. And it means everything like that. It means endeared ones, young ones, immature ones. Children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish that they caught. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for work and threw himself into the sea and kind of swam, walked his way to shore to Jesus. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. What does Jesus do to help them from this concussive state? You know, they've, they've lost their vision. They've gone backwards in their relationship with him. They've, they've been shaken by life, whether it was circumstances of life or whether it's just personal relationship stuff. Jesus reminds them of two things. First, he calls them children. Why does he do that? Why does he call them children? It's because he reminds them of their belonging to God. Everyone here needs to realize, and everybody watching on the internet needs to realize that in Christ, you belong to God. And I know you're, can I just say this? I know you're, the hell's been scared out of you in the last year. But it's worse than having the hell scared out of you. It's having purpose driven from you. That's the worst thing. Having belonging lost in your life. He first reminds them, hey, not buddies, not you guys, not those people, but he says children because he wants to remind them that they belong to God. Also, by calling them that, he reminds them of their belovedness to God. That's big. You know, you can, you know, I, I hate the phrase. I hate it when I hear guys do this, but I don't know if there's any other way to do it. It's like, yeah, that's my wife over there. And it sounds like, like a cattle call to me, you know? Like, yeah, I own her and she's my wife, you know? It just doesn't sound right. I know it's how our language works and, and that that's my husband over there, but Susan is so far beyond my wife over there, okay? She's so far, I mean, I can't tell you what I would call her at home, but you know, because yeah, we keep that at home. But that, for me to say that's my wife over there is really, no. Jesus would say, that's, oh, that's my beloved over there. And that's what Jesus is saying to these people. This is what God is trying to say to each and every one of us. I know life is hard and it's difficult. I know not all of us responded well. I don't, okay, I don't think any of us really responded really well to the race stuff. I don't think we all really responded well to the, to the election stuff. And I, I mean, let's all admit it. We all probably put a post out that we shouldn't have put out. We probably all said something. We probably didn't understand, you know, something better. We probably didn't, I mean, there's a lot of things we didn't do good. And we could just sit resigned, divided as a nation, as a people, as a church, as, as a family, or we could go back to the beginning. Where's the beginning? Belonging to God and being beloved to God. That's where you and I need to go back. Personally, and that's what we need to give to other people. I'm just gonna say this. Uh, I, 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 I'm way too honest as a pastor. I, I, do you know how many black people we've lost in this church? that no longer come to this church? 
because they think the white people of this church don't like them? You say, well, I didn't do anything. Well, you know, okay. But they were concussed. They were concussed. When they cried out Black Lives Matter, what did we do? We just shouted back louder, all lives matter. We couldn't just for a second, just for a damn second. I know, this is, thanks for coming back to Crosstown. This is probably your last Sunday. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I, I, we got to be honest. We got to consider the purpose of other people other than ourselves. Okay? I didn't do it well. You probably didn't do it well. And I got to get those people back. Why? It's because they're concussed. They think we're racist. And I know most of us aren't. But you know what? That's what concussions do to people. You know? You don't go to a concussed person who's gotten knocked out and then go up and, well, you need to see it my way. You don't understand. Yeah, I know your life matters, but you gotta see it my way. All lives matter. It's like, how about we help them up off the ground before we assert our, you know what I mean? I probably just lost the white people in this church. I hope I didn't. I'm not always right, but I'm always learning. And I'm encouraging you to always learn, always learn. Be willing to consider, break through the cognitive dissonance, you know, the bias, whatever it may be in your life. Be willing to allow Jesus to do something into you. And where does it start? Let him call you children. Let him go back. To, all of us kind of retreated to our fishing boats, didn't we? Racially. Politically. We all jumped in our boats. And Jesus is calling us all from the shore. Children, come here. Come here. Then I love what he does next. He not only calls them children, but he tells them to throw the net on the right side of the boat. Why is that significant? It's because it was that miracle when he first met Peter and brought Peter into the kingdom vision. Peter was out fishing with John and the other guys, and they had been fishing all night long, three years earlier, and they weren't catching anything. And this guy comes along and that Andrew introduced him to and said, hey, throw the nets on the other side. And Peter gave him that look. Oh, master, we've been fishing all night, but whatever, you know, whatever, we're just going to throw them on the other side, same fish underneath the boat. But yet then a miracle occurs. Jesus has to remind them of the original miracle. Okay? And God wants us to remember the original miracle. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And to live in, in, in the, uh, the parenthetical statement that God is alive, God is doing work in his people, and God has a vision for every single one of us. We've been concussed. Jesus basically says to Peter, and I'm quoting Hebrews 10.35, Therefore, Peter, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. And I think he's saying it to every one of us today. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on the God way of living life. 
I know it looks like it's going in a lot of different ways now, and, and Christians are less popular than they have ever been, and, and you know, um, it, it, we'll, we'll probably become the new minority in the next 10 years. But God says, don't give up. Don't give up this confidence because it has great reward from me built into it. Peter responds like a boxer who's been knocked out. I was watching some old boxing films. I was watching Tyson and Holmes. Yeah, I was watching that fight. I don't know why I was watching it, but I was watching it this week. And, you know, and, and it's funny, when a, when a boxer goes out, they go down hard and they're out. And some guy usually comes out with a little pill or something and, and breaks it and, and waves it in the face. And all of a sudden you see, you know, I mean, he's in a concussed state. And all of a sudden this guy pops out and he gets back up. Peter does the exact same thing. As soon as he hears John yell, it's the Lord, Peter, wait, wait a minute, the Lord. And, and, and Peter jumps out of the boat because all of a sudden he's made alive with the idea of belovedness, belonging, and that the fact that the power of God is calling him to a new life. So that's what we're to do, and that's what we're able to do. We do it like the Apostle Paul did it with his friend Timothy, his young friend Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 6 says this, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, who, who are you flaming into flame the, fanning into flame the gift of God in? See, we just came out of a year of fanning into flame divisiveness. You know, politics. Whiteness, blackness, you know, that's what we've been, we've been setting fires across the country. Was he elected? Wasn't he elected? And some of us are just busy posting and saying things and, and all that other stuff, setting flames. And, and Paul says, no, 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 Timothy, I'm stirring up the gift of God in you. That's what I'm, my job is to, I, I can't fix it all. My job is to just fan you to flame with the gift of God in your life. That's what God wants us to do as a people. I love what John said when he wrote the words of Jesus this way in Revelations 2.4. He says, you have departed from your first love. You've forgotten your love. It happens in marriages all the time. You know, you forgot that you loved that person. I mean, you loved them so much that you, you had to get married. You know, it's just kind of like, you love them. And, and, and Jesus has said, hey, guys, you've forgotten first things. Love, love, love. Your first love. I hope your first love is not being a Republican or a Democrat. I hope your first love is not the color of your skin or your economic status. Jesus says, listen, my people, you have forgotten. It's, it's you and me. Your first love. He goes on to say, therefore, remember from, from what height, high state you have fallen. Remember, you were walking with me. Remember that sense of purpose, that calling. And he says, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the deed you did at first. Now, don't choke on the word repent there because you could easily dismiss this as a sin verse. But rather, what it is is that it just means in, Hebrew, in Greek, it just means to turn around from the concussed state. He said, you got slapped, you got shaken, you forgot what church was all about. You forgot what, 
what resurrection is all about. You forgot about what the Holy Spirit is all about. And you need to go back and do your first works over again. You need to come back to the heart of worship. It's absolutely beautiful. But let us not return alone. Let us encourage others to return as well. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing right now as a church, as the cross on Christian church. Believers in Christ that are risen. God is telling us today, um, uh, you need to start considering how are you going to stir up other people? Because there is a power in stirring up one another. Okay? I really don't think on that Wednesday outside the Capitol that everybody that was there, all the thousands that were there, had any intention of going into the Capitol. But there was an element I don't know what the element was that stirred them up, that stirred some of them up, and the event occurred. See, the power of stir up is really important, and we have it. Every one of us here has the power of stir up. You can stir up an argument, you can stir up conflict, you can stir up trouble, you can stir up love, you can stir up forgiveness, you can stir up, you know, we have the power of stir up. We're all like those wooden sticks that they give you at, at Dunkin' Donuts. That we get st stuck into a cup of situation, and, and our job is to stir it up. And Paul says, consider how you can stir up one another to good works, to love. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. So what do I remember? What do I tell people to remember? Well, I, I'm just going to tell you... It, it, this is what I do personally. Um, when I forget who I am, and I do forget who I am, and it's usually because of pain or failure that usually kind of wears me out. Vince Lombardi was right. Fatigue makes cowards out of it all. But because of pain or stress or fear or conflict, I sometimes forget my calling. So I remind myself of who God says that I am. And in your notes, you have all the verses I'm about to rapid fire through. But these verses are really my personal smelling salts. This is the way, this is what I think when I forget who I am, whether because of sin, whether it's because of national events, whether it's, you know, relationships, I'm going to rapid fire through these because some of us, but you have them all in your notes and even more uh, on the app. Let me read, read to you, and maybe one of them will touch your soul today. I am accepted in Christ. John 1.12, I am a child of God. John 15.15, 15, I am Christ's friend. Romans 5.1, I have been justified. Hebrews 4.16, I can find grace and mercy in the time of need. 1 John 5.18, I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. That's just a few. I am significant in Christ. So I start with I am accepted in Christ. I am significant in Christ. 
1 Corinthians 6, 17, I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. Matthew 5, 13, I am the salt and the light of the earth. 1 Corinthians 20, I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 12, I am a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1, 1, I am a saint. Woo! 15, uh, Ephesians 1, 5, I have been adopted as God's child. Ephesians 2, 18, I have... I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2.10, I am complete in Christ. I'm accepted in Christ. I'm significant in Christ. I am secure in Christ. Romans 1.8.1, I am free from condemnation. Romans 8.28, I am assured that all things will work together for good for my life. John 15, 1, I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. John 15, 16, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Acts 1, 8, I am a personal witness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, I am God's temple. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, I am God's workman. Uh, Ephesians 2, 6, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 10, I am God's workmanship. Ephesians 3, 12, I, am, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8, 33, I am free from any condemnation. Romans 8, 35, I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 21, I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Colossians 3, 3, I am hidden with God in Christ. Philippians 1, 6, I am confident that the good work that God has begun in me, he will be faithful to complete. Uh, Philippians 3, 20, I am a citizen of heaven. And 2, uh, uh, 2 Timothy 1, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. Yeah. Yes. Not one mention of that I'm white in 61. Okay? We've been driven to, to think that that's the most important thing about us. Our gender, our color, our political persuasion. And you know what? Some of us for a time we bought into it and we fought that fight, didn't we? We all of a sudden fist the cuff with brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we forgot who we were, but no longer. So let me encourage you, as we go into this moment of expressions, when you come and you receive the bread and the cup, let Jesus remind you that you belong to God. Let Jesus remind you through his sacrifice that you are beloved of God. Beloved of God. You're not his wife. That's not my husband. That's not my kid. That's my beloved one. And Jesus stirs us up to remember the power of God. So let me encourage you. Stir up. Remember. Return. Don't throw away your confidence. And ask God to show you how you can stir up one another in love. No matter what boat they're floating in, call them from the water back to the shore with the love of Christ. Father, as we enter into this 
holy moment. Because, Lord God, a, a moment becomes holy when nothing else occupies it other than the greatness of you, the love of you, the truth about you. And, God, we're in a most holy moment, not an American moment, not a male moment, not a female moment, not a white moment or a black moment. We are in a God moment because there was only one thing that was before it all, and it was you. And there's only one thing that remains after it all, and it's you and those who walk with you, your children. So, Father, remind us in this moment that we are your children, your beloved. We are your very possession, your love, and that we have been called, that we've been saved, that we've been infused with your spirit so that we can stir up one another. Thank you, Father. Let me encourage you in this moment to, to, to allow God to speak to you. And if in this moment he speaks to you and, and he says something to you like you've left your first love or maybe you're like me or maybe so many others, you got caught up in the, in the fire of the riot of our culture. Maybe you retreated. Maybe you charged and attacked, but the wrong way. Let me, let me encourage you. Just have that conversation between you and God and just pin it to the cross. Leave it there. Just leave it there. And ask God today, and he is faithful, to fill you with this Holy Spirit so that you will once again have the confidence of that great reward and have the power to stir the world around you with love.